0: If you want a deeper relationship with God, then learn to trust His promises. The Promise Code by O.S. Hawkins will help you understand how to count on God's promises, and it's yours with a gift of any amount to turning point this month. When you give $60 or more, you'll receive the Promise Code set, which includes Esther's CD album, study guide, historical chart, and Bible Promises at a Glance booklet. Learn more and donate when you go to davidjeremiah.ca. If you've wondered why God enlists imperfect people to carry out his perfect will, you're not alone. It's baffled thinkers and theologians for ages as well. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the sovereignty of God as it was demonstrated in the story of Esther and what it means for modern believers. To introduce the conclusion of his message, If I Perish, I Perish, here's David. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Turning Point, and I
1: have the distinct privilege of being your host and teacher each day. I love being able to talk with you personally before each session. And today, I want to take just a moment and remind you that this current series on Esther is available in study guide format. It's also on CD. You can order these from davidjeremiah.org. And uh, we also have a special resource for this month, which we have been telling you about, which is O.S. Hawkins' latest code book called The Promise Code, 40 Bible Promises Every Believer Should Claim. These books are just beautifully presented. Uh, They're from the gift department at Thomas Nelson, and the people who do this are friends of mine, I've known for years. Um, But O.S. Hawkins explores 40 of God's promises in this book, revealing ways to find peace by claiming promises from the Bible and telling stories and using illustrations that enhance every verse. I'd like you to have this book. Um, If you have one of them already, I know you'll want this one. This is a great addition to your library and certainly does add value to your walk with the Lord. So, When you send your gift during the month of March, please ask for the Promise Code. It will be on its way to you as soon as we get your request. I know you will be blessed by it, and that just brings joy to my heart. Thank you for your part in investing in what we do here at Turning Point. Well, I'm sure you've been in a place once or twice in your life where everything seemed to ride on a decision you're going to make, and uh, you don't know what's going to happen, and you're not sure that it's going to turn out right. But maybe you've been in one of these moments where you said something like, Esther, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to leave the results up to God. Here's part two of that lesson. Go back in your Bibles in the fourth chapter and notice that what Mordecai had asked her to do, he had asked her to make request before the king for her people. Look at the end of verse 8. He said, Esther, you need to go in before the king and make supplication to him and make request before him for your people. And she responded, because of the law, I can't do it. Because if I go in, I am going to be a certain candidate for execution. Well, I'm sure that Esther thought that was the end of the story, that she had communicated her heart and that she would be out of the hot seat. But now we come in verses 12 through 14 to the very heart of the story and the definition of sovereignty. Now I want you to notice what happened. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words and verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Do you want to paraphrase of that? Esther, don't you think you're going to get free because if this decree is executed, it will be found out that you are a Jewess and you're going to die along with the rest of the Jews. And then verse 14, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time... Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Throughout history, people have asked themselves and asked of others, why am I in this mess? I'm sure that Esther must have wondered why she was in the fix she was in. Here she was in this dilemma. She had all of the friends that she loved, all her Jewish people, under sentence of death. She's been asked to go and plead before the king. She doesn't want to do it because she's afraid it will mean her life. And she's caught in the middle. She communicates it back to Mordecai, Mordecai sends a message back to her. And in that message, he says, Esther, you really have but three options. Let me spell them out for you. Option number one, you can be destroyed. That's the first part of the verse. You need to understand that just because you're the queen doesn't mean you are not gonna be executed. Because when they find out that you're a Jew, because this is the law of the Medes and the Persians, you must be destroyed along with the rest. Number two, she might be passed over. There's an interesting thing here in this verse. He says, listen, Esther, you could be the answer, but let me just tell you something. You aren't the only possibility. I love this phrase in the middle of verse 14. He said, there could be enlargement or help or deliverance for the Jews from some other place. You may not be the only answer. You could be the answer, but you might not be the only answer. And I wish Mordecai were here today because I'd like to ask him what he was thinking about. I'd like to know what other options he was thinking about. I mean at this particular point in time understanding the story Esther looks like their only hope and from the human perspective she was but obviously Mordecai was a man of faith and though he didn't see any other human option he may have thought God has another way to come through on behalf of his people option number one Esther is you can be destroyed option number two God may just pass over you and use somebody else or option number three you may have been born for such a time as this. Maybe God has placed you right in the center of this situation so that you can be God's person even though it is very uncomfortable. So Esther now has to think this over. Notice verse 15, the decision of a lifetime. Then Esther bade them return to Mordecai this answer. Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan And fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now the first definition of sovereignty is you're born for such a time as this but the response to sovereignty is to say if that's true I'm going to do what God wants me to do and if I perish I perish I'm not sure how much of what Esther said in that last phrase was of a spiritual decision or if she had sorted out the options and figured out that in eleven months she was going to die anyway so she might as well take the risk and at least have the possibility of escaping death if God indeed was in this whole thing. But whatever she meant by what she said, her words have come down to us with great power. There are actually books that have as their title, If I Perish, I Perish. A reminder to us that our survival isn't the only important issue, that the important issue is that we cooperate with God Almighty and that we be available to him so that he can use us wherever he has placed us in the situations that we face. And the Bible says that Mordecai went his way after he heard this and did according to all that Esther commanded him let me apply some of these truths to our hearts. Sovereignty of God is one of the most difficult subjects that we ever discuss. Normally it arises in the context of the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. It usually comes out in a discussion, especially with Christian college students who have been exposed to a little theology, and they want to know how it is that man has free will if God is sovereign over all. And how could there be such a thing as the doctrine of election? And what do you believe about predestination and retribution and all of those other marvelous terms? And let me just say that I am not about to solve that problem. The greatest minds of history have wrestled with the issues of the sovereignty of God. And the bottom line is, if I could unravel the issue of the sovereignty of God, I would be the equal of God because it is known only to Him. I do know this, and I can live with this because this is how I must operate. There are two tracks that run side by side from the beginning to the very end. One is the sovereignty of God, and the other is the responsibility of man. And those tracks never meet in this life But like two railroad tracks that meet in infinity, when you look all the way down the road, you can see that they come together. And someday in eternity, we'll be able to resolve the issue between God's sovereignty and our responsibility. But there is a way we must look at it. And let me point that out to you. It's so simple that we stumble over it. Let God take care of his sovereignty and you take care of your responsibility. Doesn't that make sense? I know some folks that just worry themselves sick over the sovereignty of God, and they haven't done a blessed thing for the Lord in five years. They're sitting around wondering about the sovereignty of God. You know, I think God is very capable of taking care of his sovereignty, don't you? I think he can handle that quite well. And so I'd like to just give you four or five things about the sovereignty of God that emerged from our story, which I've told very quickly so I could leave time to make these applications. First of all, God's sovereignty explains what man alone can never fathom. The unknowables of life, oh, how they overwhelm me sometimes. How can you explain? Just think of this story for a moment. How did Esther, a Jew— get to be the wife of Xerxes a Persian why has this persecution come to this nation to destroy all the Jews you know what the New Agers would say they'd say it's karma that's what they'd say the impersonal law of the universe that pays everybody back in the next life for what they did in the life before And obviously, these Jews had been bad Jews in whatever life they had lived before this time, and they're paying now for their sins of a past life. Let me tell you, it's not karma. It's the unknowable sovereignty of God. Sometimes I have heard Bible teachers talk about the sovereignty of God from our perspective is like looking at a weaving from the wrong side in this life. We see all of the various threads, and to us they make no sense. There's little knots here and little little strands sticking out here. And we see it from the backside because we do not have the perspective that God has. But someday in eternity, God will take that patchwork that we've looked at and haven't understood, and he'll turn it around and we'll see the beautiful tapestry that has been woven of your life and of mine because... God's sovereignty explains things that humans cannot possibly fathom. We can spend all of our life trying to figure out why God does this and does that. You know, sometimes we just have to fall back on the fact that God is sovereign and he is in control. I don't understand all that that means, but I believe that with all my heart. And I rest secure in that. Number two, God's sovereignty encircles even those who don't know him. Sometimes we think that the sovereignty of God is just for God's people, and in essence, it's the major impact of the sovereignty of God. But think of the story now. The sovereignty of God has drawn Haman inside of its circle. He's just as much a player on the stage as is Mordecai. The sovereignty of God has drawn wicked Xerxes, this pleasure-loving king who has so many wives he can't count them, if you read later on, there are 800 Jew-haters who are drawn into the sovereignty of God. They don't know it. They don't have any idea that they're players on the stage, but God is using them and allowing them to perform as a part of his ultimate plan just as surely as Mordecai and Esther are in the center of God's purpose. God doesn't have one world that he operates for the believer and then another world that affects all unbelievers. But even those who do not know God are a part of God's sovereignty. Thirdly, God's sovereignty encourages us in difficult situations. I'm sure Esther did not understand why she was in this very, very precarious situation. What a tough place to be. But if she understood the sovereignty of God, she could find encouragement in that. God puts us in places, sometimes tight places, places we don't understand, but if we believe that there are no accidents with God and if the best we know how we're walking in complete obedience to the will of God, no matter what the situation may be, we can take great comfort in the fact that our God who loves us, who created us, and gave us new life through his son Jesus Christ will not allow anything to happen to us that is outside of his sovereign control. Everything that comes into my life passes through the hands of my Heavenly Father. And when I know that, and things are tough, and they're difficult days, and all of us experience them, I get encouraged. I don't know about you. There's great encouragement in good doctrine. Did you know that? When you know good doctrine, you can be encouraged. I don't have a God who's on vacation. There aren't any accidents with God. God didn't wake up this morning and say, oh my goodness, I forgot about you guys. And look what a mess you've got yourself into. <laughs> now, God knows. And when I realized that, I recognized I can take courage in my own heart. God's sovereignty encourages us in difficult situations for such a time as this. I think of the story of Joseph. Joseph, I believe, was more. Unjustly treated than any other person in the Bible apart from Jesus Christ. Everything Joseph did that was right, he got bad treatment for it. He went down to Dothan to find his brothers and they put him in a pit. They wanted to kill him. Had it not been for Judah, they would have. And then after they decided not to kill him, they decided they'd sell him to a band of traveling slave owners. And uh, he was sold for 30 pieces of silver and taken into Egypt, and he became a slave of Potiphar. And when he was faithful to his vows of purity and would not cooperate with Potiphar's wife and commit adultery with her and fled out of her house, leaving his coat in her hands, he was rewarded for that by being put in jail. And he's in jail, and he meets the butler and the baker, and they tell him that they're going to remember him when they get out. And, you know, for two years he sits there, nobody remembers him. And he's sitting there in that prison thinking, you know, hey, all I've done is serve God, and look what's happened to me. But you come to the end of the story, at the end of the book of Genesis, and these brothers who sold him, in the most moving story, I think, in all of the Old Testament scriptures, they at last are brought face to face with Joseph and they don't know who he is at first and then finally the recognition process begins to take place and these brothers are terrified that Joseph now in a position of great power will have all of them executed because of what they had done to him so many years ago and they stood before Joseph and he said these words he said you meant it for evil but God meant it for good isn't that something you guys meant this whole scenario for my evil but what you don't understand is that God he knew all about this and he meant it for good God takes even the evil intentions of bad people turns them upside down to get his will done in our lives and when I know that and when I understand how that operates in my life I just get so encouraged I can take a moment and reflect upon what God is doing in my life and realize he's in charge. This isn't something that surprises him. So God's sovereignty explains what man alone can never fathom. And God's sovereignty encircles even those who know him not. And God's sovereignty encourages us in difficult situations. Number four, God's sovereignty exempts no one from personal decisions. Hear me. Some folks I know say, well, hey, what's the sense of even thinking about it? I don't have a decision. I mean, God's in control, and whatever will be, will be. J. Vernon McGee used to tell a story about a guy who believed so much in the sovereignty of God that he used to make absurd statements, and he, he used to say things that were really preposterous. And one day he told Dr. McGee, he said, I believe so much in the sovereignty of God that I could go out and stand in the middle of the freeway, and if my time has not come, I'd be safe. And Dr. McGee said, Sir, if you stand in the middle of the freeway, your time has come. <laughs> <laughs> Some people get hung up on sovereignty to the point where they don't understand that it does not exempt you from personal decisions. Listen, what happened to Esther? Was she brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? Absolutely. But Esther had to, in a time of great inward agony, decide, am I going to walk in before Xerxes and plead the case for my people, or am I not? God didn't just swoop down on her and make her do that. She was left to make that decision. And once again, we're back to this whole issue. If you let God worry about his sovereignty and you take care of your responsibility, my friends, you've got a decision to make. Don't you hide behind the sovereignty of God and say, well, God is in control, so I don't have to do anything. I'll just wait and see what God's going to do. No, you better come to grips with spiritual principles and make the decisions that you need to make because the sovereignty of God exempts no one from personal decisions. Esther's words, if I perish, I perish, are filled with the agony of her own personal choice to do what she believed God wanted her to do. And finally, God's sovereignty exalts the importance of each individual. Do you ever think that you're not important? (laughs) Do you ever wonder how in this world that is so overloaded with people, You could have any meaning whatsoever. Listen, Esther, by herself, in the right place at the right time, making the right decisions in obedience to God, stemmed the tide by herself that could have ultimately destroyed the entire Jewish nation. And watch this, could have sidetracked the redemption of you and me. Because Jesus came out of the lineage of the Jews, didn't he? Do you think Esther realized when she was made queen what awesome responsibility she had? And yet, just her, just one one somebody turned the course of world events. Don't you tell me one person doesn't make a difference. Sovereignty of God exalts the importance of one person because God uses everybody in his plan. He has no throwaways. Nobody is meaningless in the providence of God. And so you are important. You may say to me, Pastor Jeremiah, how can I be important? Well, let me tell you something. I don't know how you're important in your world, but I know you are. There are people who look to you for influence. There are probably children and grandchildren, perhaps mothers and fathers to whom what you do is vitally important in their life. And as you walk before God and as you express your love for God every day, you make a difference in your world. And that's what the sovereignty of God teaches us. We cannot, as Esther tried at the beginning, we cannot say, well, I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. You can do what God calls you to do. You can start where you are. You can stand up and be counted in the issues that you care about. You may not be able to change everything in the world, but in the context of your life, God can help you to make a difference because he is sovereign and everybody counts with God. So from the book of Esther, we learn some marvelous lessons about God's sovereignty. And we're going to follow up on that again when we meet tomorrow for the next uh, edition of this story from Esther, Chapter 5. Tomorrow, Courage in a Crisis, the first 14 verses of Chapter 5. I hope you're following along in your Bibles. And if you have the study guide, I know it's very valuable to help you stay focused on what we're talking about. By the way, uh, the study guides are great for small group Bible study. And I want to encourage you to take time today and sit down and think about your small group and where you are with your curriculum, and especially if it's a a ladies' group, I think Esther is a great topic. Women love to study Esther. Um, I've taught it to women, and I know they are blessed by it. And uh, you can teach this in your small group, get all the study guides you need for all your members, and then you get the CD package, and uh, you can listen ahead of time and kind of be ready for questions and facilitate the discussion. And uh, the study of Esther will be very, very motivating and encouraging. We're really looking forward to our time in Alaska in July the 15th through the 22nd. I talked to the people that um, manage this force yesterday, and they told me that they're actually averaging about 10 reservations a day. We only can handle so many on the cruise ship because we have to stay within the limits of our meeting hall, which is at 900. And uh, we're almost two-thirds of the way there right now, and here we are in March. If you're going to Alaska with us, I want to encourage you to make your reservation as soon as possible. We don't want you to miss uh, James Brown and Tony Dungy and uh, all of the people from Turning Point who provide the music. And Uriel Vega will be teaching from the Word of God. It's going to be maybe the best Alaska cruise we've ever done. And I hope you can be a part of it. Uh, Go to our website. Get in touch with the people to make the reservation and do it while there's still rooms left. I hope you'll take that seriously and take seriously this. We'll be back tomorrow. I hope you join us then.
0: Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. To give us an update on how God is using this ministry, write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4 Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300 Ask for your copy of the latest book from OS Hawkins, The Promise Code, 40 Bible Promises Every Believer Should Claim. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app to instantly access our content or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit DavidJeremiah.ca/slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue Esther for such a time as this on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For
1: more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org.
0: Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than eight thousand study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb.
1: The great violinist, Niccolo Paganini, was performing in concert with a full orchestra when one of the four strings on his violin broke, but he played on. Then a second string broke, and then a third, but he improvised and finished the concert playing on only one string. The audience cheered so widely that he played a rousing encore, again using only one string. Two things made that possible. His musical genius, of course but also his optimistic attitude. He used what was available and made the best of it. Sometimes God doesn't provide everything we want, but He always causes it to turn out for good. And This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons for optimism on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.